0: This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia.
1: 2NURFM new 103.7. We're talking travel. Barry Warwick joining me, Jane Klein. And Barry, where are we off? Well, we're not off to anywhere today. We've no. got some things that will help us go off to Jane, certain
0: yeah, places. I just thought I'd make people aware of you know some of the, the differences in visas these days um, that one has to go through or... Or new, um, the introduction of new uh, procedures, I guess, is the best word for it. Um, for example, the uh, the British High Commission uh, or English government has introduced uh, uh, now for people that need visas. Now, Australians generally don't require a visa unless they're young people going on working holidays. Um, but you know, there are a lot of other nationalities in in the Australian um, culture now, and they may be planning a trip to England. And in the past, what we would do is just apply for a visa through the English consulate. We could do that on their behalf. Um, now they can actually do it over, over the internet and you'd think, well, wow, this is a really great thing. However, um, the English have decided that they also want you to make an appointment to have your biometrics taken. Now, What
1: are your biometrics?
0: Biometrics, a great word, isn't it? That means that they want to take your fingerprint and have a photo taken of you because they've uh, uh, got special equipment now that can tell from your eyes um, that you are you and whatever. But... So, uh, but in order to do this, you've actually got to go to the consulate. So it's just made that one step harder to get that visa. Because while if you live in Sydney, it's really probably not too much of an effort to to get a um, English visa or turn up at the consulate. But certainly when you're in um, Newcastle, it makes it a little bit harder. Uh, If you're in Tamworth, it's even harder still. So it makes it a little bit more expensive for you uh, because you may have to travel down overnight to see the consulate. But, yes, they're taking the fingerprint. And, um, look, another country that is often visited by Australians is the USA. Uh, And they've got a visa waiver program for Australia. So technically we can go over without a visa unless you've had... Um, some sort of criminal um, charge in your background, yeah. So if you've got a, um, you know, driving under the influence or, you know, maybe when you were young you, you smoked cam- uh, cannabis and you were caught and uh, had a charge against you, um, technically you should then apply for a visa for the United States.
1: So they take a look at it and decide whether you're going to be a desirable entrant.
0: That's right, mm-hmm. yeah, whether they want you there or not. So... Um, but now, uh, all the rest of us, it was fine. You could just zip, a, zip across and uh, it wasn't too much of difficulty. But from the 1st of August, they're actually going to trial um, an electronic system for travel authorization or ESTA they call it. Uh, and how this works is that they, um, you'll apply on the internet, uh, send them your details, then uh, they want you to do it a minimum of 72 hours before or a little bit, uh, preferably much longer. And then they'll send back and say, yep, you're okay. Um, You won't have to do this for the next two years. Um, And you can then... It doesn't guarantee entry, by the way. It just guarantees that you're able to get on the flight to fly over there. And you're still determined at the border whether they'll, they'll actually admit you or not. But... Generally, that's not a not a problem in getting in, but with this uh, electronic system, uh, I believe that after this trial, from around about the twelfth of January, um, it'll become a mandatory exercise uh, that you you actually have to obtain this, and therefore all those countries where previously you didn't need to to get a visa or a visa waiver, and that. Places like ourselves, Australia, citizens, uh, Austria, Belgium, Brunei, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, um, and the list goes on. You know, there's there's quite a few, UK, Switzerland. So um, most of the European countries are, are involved in this visa waiver, but they will have to get this authority before they travel. Uh, but if you want to be part of the test program, uh, from the 1st of August, you can actually um, do a testing um, and see if they think that you're actually okay before you go.
1: Do you have to have a flight booked before you do that?
0: Um, look, I think that it would be advisable to have a flight booked. Um, uh, but I, it's it's something that's coming in on the first of August, and full details haven't been sent out. I mean, they've sent out um, saying that we can do it, but there's a little bit more um, um, protocol to to be advised to us, but. Um, the, the things that they've sent out is that it will be required um, from the 12th of January, as I said. Uh, it'll be valid for tw- uh, two years, um, and um, you do it through the ESTA website. So at this stage, I I think that you... Don't have to have a flight, but it would probably be wise because they'll want to know what flight you're coming in on.
1: And that would be that screening would happen in the United States, not locally.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think what they do is they'll they'll pre-screen you so that when you um, when you arrive over there, um, it'll just make things a little bit quicker than probably a little bit quicker than it is now. Uh, one of the other th- uh, things that you've you've got to have a passport that to participate in that program that was issued uh, after a certain date that uh, has the little microchip. Uh, the Australian government's now putting the little microchip in the, the passport. So uh, there, there are a few things that you will need to comply with as well.
1: To NURFM 103.7, welcome back to Talking Travel. And Barry Warwick visas are a business sometimes, aren't they?
0: They are, and it's something that you, you know, I, I guess in these days where people are starting to do a lot of things on the internet, it's one of those things that um, I guess can easily be overlooked. And, you know, um, a good travel agent should be able to tell you what you should or or shouldn't be able to do. I mean, there's a, a number of countries that we tend to think of as visa-free, but in actual fact, they do require a visa. And um, For example? Chile um, and Turkey. Um, now, the Turkey one is an interesting one because, um, well, in both cases, or even Bali, you've the, the three of them, you do actually have to pay for a visa on arrival. Uh, and what will happen is that... Um, it depends where – you You need to be aware of it. For example, in the Turkish case, um, when someone um, – you don't go straight up to the, the um, immigration. You've actually got to obtain the visa and then go to the immigration. And I had a case recently where um, one of my clients um, just went straight up to the immigration, handed the passport over – and um, the guy flicked through it, well, his wife's passport, he flicked through it, no visa, um, and said, you'll have to go back and get the visa. And they said, oh, we were told that there was, you know, technically you don't need a visa. And he said, no, you go over over there and get the visa. So they then had to walk back, but he wouldn't give the passport back. So then he had to go back and try and get the visa for his wife, Without actually having a passport, and really, I guess it's 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 a way of um, a quasi tax, I suppose. But um, you know, by this stage, he's been told that he should never ever part with his passport. Here is this official not going to give the passport back, and he's got to try and get a visa. And look, it can be very discomforting. Um, and it just brought home to me that um, you know people should be should know sometimes that they've got to get the visa on their arrival, be on the lookout that you've got to obtain that visa sometimes before you have to go to immigration because these um, this, this process, procedures yes. could change. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there are three countries. A lot of other countries, um, for example, in um, the European Union these days, Australians don't require a visa, but technically they're only allowed to stop a maximum of three months. And that means not three months in France and then three months in Germany and then three months in uh, Italy. Swiss- mm. Italy. It means that you've... Your total. Total. Um, um, otherwise, you do have other paperwork to do. So again, it's just something that um, we sort of get a little bit blase. And, and Australians are very lucky because there's a lot of places that they don't need visas for, but you can get actually caught up um, in, in some of the red tape. Um, some some countries require that you have a re-entry uh, visa. So when you apply for it, you actually have to apply for multiple visas or a single visa. So, um, you know, and, and I guess Vietnam's a great example of this because you can go into Vietnam, fly into Saigon, then go up the, say you take the boat into Cambodia, you get your visa for Cambodia, and then you've got to come into Vietnam where well, you've got to have that double entry Visa, otherwise, you don't get back in. Um, Other countries, when they issue a visa, it allows you unlimited entry. So, you know, again, you need to really check that visa information when you're coming back.
1: And I suppose that's one of the reasons it's not a bad idea to get advice from someone who knows.
0: That's a good reason to use a travel agent. And I had another experience just recently where, uh, because of the Qantas engineer strike, I had a lady that was disrupted who was travelling through to um, Brussels. And um, Qantas looked after her and got her through to Brussels okay. But the airline that she was flying to uh, Brussels with actually cancelled her return flights because she no-showed for her original flight. And I rebooked it and sent a message through to them saying, look, this lady did definitely travel. Uh, She was disrupted because of the Qantas strike. And in actual fact, I'd received a message from that very airline saying, this passenger has been disrupted because of the Qantas strike, so I don't know why they cancelled it in the first place. But at least uh, they had done that.
1: Was it easier for you to sort out than it would have been for her? Well,
0: it made me begin to think that if she'd booked it just on the internet, she would have been in the same circumstance. She would have arrived in Brussels. She would have thought that everything was okay. But uh, when she turned up at the airport to come home her booking would have been cancelled. And with flights so full these days, the chances of them being able to put her on that same flight would be remote. And and it would be a traumatic experience anyway to turn up to the airport and find that your booking was cancelled. And even for me, with all my expertise dealing with this airline uh, and an Indian Air um, call centre, it took me two and a half hours to sort it out Um, and that was in the end by ringing Qantas and Qantas were extremely helpful and I'll give them full marks. They were, they were excellent to deal with, but the other airline, uh, and the passenger had been actually ticketed on the other airlines paper were extremely unhelpful. So, um, I, I just shudder to think what traumas that passenger would have gone through, uh, if the airline was so, um, so unhelpful at the other end as well.
1: And we'll be talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news here on to a new RFM 103.7.